This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Thank you, everybody. How are you all doing? Good, good, good. So nice to be with you. We are so happy to be here. Praise God. The Lord is wonderful, is He not? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful evening. Thank you for these beautiful, wonderful leaders that commit themselves to serve you and lead your people. We thank you for them, Father. We so appreciate them. And Father, we thank you now for your blessing upon this meeting and your wisdom and guidance to flow freely, that your plans and purposes may be fulfilled. And we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, praise God. Well, it's so nice to be in summer. It's so cold in Texas right now. Uh, we having weather down to, um, to zero at, at night, zero degrees um, Fahrenheit, and, um, well, no, centigrade. No, no, what is it now? Centigrade, centigrade, centigrade. Zero degrees centigrade. No, zero degrees Fahrenheit would be seriously cold. Because <laughs> 32 is freezing. 32 is freezing. When it gets to 32 degrees, it's zero, yeah. So anyway, um, and then some, of course, it's get, it gets very hot in Texas. Very hot. Hotter than yeah. A lot hotter than yeah. Mostly it's well over 100 degrees, 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Mostly for summer. I like the summer. <laughs> like the heat. Well, praise God. Okay. <clears throat> we want to tell you how much we love you. And how much the Lord loves you and how much he appreciates you. All right. If you have a Bible, please open it to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James translation. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So, though I speak the tongues of men, in other words, though I can speak all languages, and even the languages of all angels, hmm, that'll be something. But if I don't love with God's love, then I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. That's an irritating noise. I become to God an irritating noise. Now, that's what I... What I think about it is not important. It's what God says. Right? So God looks down and he sees me as a clanging symbol that's irritating him. I don't have love. Isn't that amazing? And though I have the gift of prophecy, so I could prophesy to people what their future is, and they stand in line by the millions of, in the line waiting. And I stand all mysteries. I stand all mysteries. And I have all knowledge. Imagine being that wise. I have all knowledge. And I stand all mysteries. And I can prophesy to every person their future. Imagine how smart that would be. Wow. And imagine... I have faith to move mountains. All right. That'll give me a bit of money. You want this mountain moved over there? Fine. You want that over there? That'll cost you five million. Thank you. (laughs) So imagine that. That kind of faith. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. God says I'm nothing. I'm zero. God sees me as nothing. And what God sees me to be is much more important to me than anything else, right? If God says I'm worth nothing to him because I have love, then I think we should perk up and say to ourselves, tell me about this. What's love all about, right? And verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, 
So you take all your money, sell it, buy food, and give it to the poor. And then I'll give my body to be burned. Wow. But have not love, it profits me nothing. It profits me nothing. Now, of course, you carry on reading, you'll see what love is. We're not going to do that right now. But I just want us to understand the importance of love in God's eyes. Amen? The importance of God, of love in God's eyes. In December 2002, CFC San Antonio Church began. In 2004, two years later, <clears throat> September, the church here in Janesburg was faltering. And we had lost about half of our members that year. For no reason that we could find a, put our finger on, the attendance just began to dive. 2004, it dived. Till we were left with about 50% of the people attending the church. And I was here in South Africa, was September, and staying in our home there, yeah, in Bifferview. I got up two o'clock in the morning, this heavy, heavy burden to pray. And I was grieving about this drop off in attendance. In my heart, I couldn't sleep. So I went through to the bedroom that Natalie used to sleep in, our oldest daughter. And I got on my knees and I put my elbows on the bed. And I said a prayer, something like this I said, Lord, I said, if there's something in my life that I don't know about that's causing this, Either show me or remove me from the ministry so that the sheep are not hurt. I don't want the sheep to be scattered because of me. So if there's something in my life or there is something I'm doing that I don't know what it is, rather take me out, but don't hurt the sheep. Keep the church going, I'll hand it over to somebody. Just tell me what you want me to do. I started praying in tongues. Two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock. About six o'clock in the morning, I was I was really travailing before the Lord for four hours. Didn't move from that spot. And I'd put my I stopped praying for a while and I put my arms out on the bed like that and my face on the bed and I just stopped praying for a while and I heard the audible voice of the Lord say to me you have been forgiven audibly and now the doors closed and no one else in the house I was here on my own you have been forgiven And when I heard that voice, I knew what I'd done wrong. Immediately. I had a revelation. I knew exactly what I'd done wrong. So here's what I did wrong. I employed three different people who were successful in their careers some years before this incident here in the church to be pastors going back a few years before this date. I employed three different people, among others, who were successful in their careers. I brought them in, and after some years, some cases five years, some cases six, seven, or four years, they discussed with me that they were not fulfilling the task that God had for them. They were like a duck out of water or a fish out of water and they were not successful and we could all see they weren't successful as pastors. And so we both agreed then that they should resign. 
Now, all three of these men tried to go back into their careers, but they'd lost so much momentum and knowledge and ground in that field that the younger people came up and were successful and they couldn't find employment in their field. So they had to give up their careers and they had to go to a different career altogether. And so the result was that they weren't earning even close to what they were earning before. They never earned close to what they were earning before. So I never heard any further words from the Lord except you have been forgiven. But I knew in my spirit this whole revelation that I was responsible for for making that decision to employ them without seriously consulting the Lord about it. And so I took them out of their destiny that Jesus had planned for them before time began. I took them out of their destiny and brought them into the full-time ministry, which God had not equipped them for, and they failed. And now they weren't able to fulfill the destiny that Jesus brought them to the earth to fulfill. And I was guilty of that. Well, I was crushed, and I realized that I'd missed it. I phoned these men, and I apologized to them terribly, asked them to forgive me. But I learned this lesson from that experience, and that is this. We have to be very careful how we treat God's children. We have to be very careful how we treat God's children. In 2011, we were building the house we've just sold in San Antonio. That's just over 10 years ago. We bought the house. And um, they were fitting the kitchen cabinets. And I had seen some wooden stain that I really liked in Hawaii at a hotel. The color. They stained the wood a certain color. And I took pictures of it my phone. I loved the color so much. So I said to the cabinet people, can you do this color for us in the wood in the kitchen? And they said, yes, we can. And I said, do me some samples to show me. And so they came back with the samples. And I looked at my phone, and I looked at that, and I said, it's perfect. Thank you. All right, go ahead and stain all the cupboard wood in the kitchen this color. So we went back two or three days later. We come to the house every two, three days to have a look around and see what they're doing the progress they're making in the building now. So. And uh, the color was completely wrong. The color was completely wrong that they did it. So <clears throat> I was not happy. I wasn't going to accept that because I had the sample that they did. So I brought it out and I said, look, here's your sample. This is the phone. I showed you the picture. You can see it's not bright. It's not even close. I said, now, I'm not going to accept this. You're going to have to redo this. Okay? And so, the guy that manufactures the cupboards went into all sorts of dancing and stories about excuses and tried to sell me this idea how great this color was. And, of course, I'm not going to buy it, okay? Not even close. And I'm sweet about it. Nice. Sorry, I'm not taking that. I'm not accepting it. And then the architect, who's supposed to be on my side, right? He sides in with this guy. He starts to try and convince me now that I should take this terrible-looking color. 
And I, I would have been, imagine living in that house for 10 years and every day I'd look at that horrible color. And so that's going through my mind. So um, this goes on now like for 45 minutes. This very nice gentle discussion. Like, they're not catching the clue. I'm not changing. They've got to redo it. But they're not changing. So eventually I got annoyed. It takes a while, but I can't get annoyed. <laughs> and I raised my voice, okay, and I said, you will redo this. And I, and I was very firm. I didn't raise it like that. I mean, I was a lot louder. <laughs> and I turned around and I walked out. And I said that to them both very loud. And I mean, I walked out. And they both had big eyes. They couldn't believe it. So I walked out the kitchen area and I went home. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, now look. All right, you need to get your color. But the way you spoke to them, I want these people saved. And this is your opportunity to get them saved. And how do you think that's going? <laughs> you might get your covers, but what about their salvation? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, Lord, you're not asking me to apologize, are you? <laughs> so he said, yeah, you go and apologize. I said, okay, but Lord, I'm in the right, you know. So I went the next day and I apologized to them. Not for wanting the right wood color, but for the way I spoke to them. And there again I learned a lesson, and that is to walk in love with people and treat people right. And you know, I've learned that lesson a few times in my life. I'm just giving you two law stories. But I have found out through the years that the Lord is very particular about how we treat people. Let's go to Matthew 25, verse 31. I'm going to read from the NIV translation. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on His right hand, and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you are blessed to my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whoever we think is the least Christian, whoever we think is the least Christian, whatever we do for them, we're doing for Jesus, right? That's what he said, right? All right. Then he will say to those who have left, Depart from me, you are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and the angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and did not invite me in. I was needing clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you. 
And he will say, truly, I say to you, truly, I say. Now, Jesus doesn't have to say truly, right? But he said, truly, I say to you. Whatever you did not do, for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Say this. Say this. Close your eyes and say this. When I talk to another Christian, I must imagine I'm talking directly to Jesus. Because, say this, because whatever I say to another Christian, I am saying to Jesus. Is that right? Is that absolutely true? Isn't it true? So that helps us stay on our toes, right? Whenever we talk to somebody, always in your mind say, this is Jesus I'm talking to. So how would I talk to Jesus if he was standing there? Because that's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly what I'm doing. This is serious business. Now, I'm very happy to say that in this church, we do have a lot of love, and I appreciate that. But I think we can all improve in that area as well. I don't think any of us have arrived. But it's important for us to each to evaluate our own um, our own um, to critique ourselves, right? To examine ourselves and see, evaluate ourselves. How am I doing in that area? Do I talk to the least as if I'm talking to Jesus? Whoever it is, whoever I think or you think may be the least Christian I've ever met, am I talking to that person like I'm talking to Jesus? Because if I'm not, God says I'm worth nothing. I'm worth nothing to him. I'm absolutely worth nothing to him. No matter what I have accomplished in this life, it's worth nothing. All my rewards in heaven rise and fall on this one thing. On this one thing. You understand that, family? We need a revelation of that. And we need to remind ourselves of this. And um, I'm not saying this because we're not doing what's right. But I'm saying it because we can do it better. We can do it better. And once again, I really appreciate the love I sense among us here. But I, I want to see, and I'm sure you all want to see, that we can all feel very comfortable, happy, blessed to be amongst each other with no fear of criticism, complaining, whining, lying, stabbing in the back. We don't want that stuff. It's the devil. Amen? And if our brother or sister falls... Let's not brag about it or let's not, shall I say, broadcast it, but rather let's pray for them. And remember this, Jesus said, who are you to judge another man's servant? Jesus said, God said, I can make him stand and I will make him stand. The Lord is able to make him stand. So we need to pray for each other to stand. Amen? If you see our brother and sister fall, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Now, in other words, that, what that means is that love doesn't go talk about it, but love covers the sin, hides the sin from everybody, goes and ministers to that person, restores them. Either a spiritual store, restores such a one who has fallen in the spirit of meekness. And the reason we don't see many people restoring many people is because they're not spiritual. Either a spiritual restores such a one in the spirit of meekness. The babies broadcast it, the the senior people, mature Christians will go, keep it quiet, go minister them, love them, get them back on their feet.
keep it a secret. Amen? Protect them. That's the way we do things. That's the way the Lord wants it done. And you know when you do that, God rewards you openly. God rewards you openly. Believe me, there is a God in heaven. And we'll all stand before him one day. And it doesn't matter how big we are down here. When we stand before God, we're not that big. Not that big. When you stand before God, <laughs> the all-consuming fire. Huh? So, God is love, love is God. And when we walk in love, we are displaying God, demonstrating God, allowing God to move and work. Amen? We're allowing God to work and move through us. So when I demonstrate love, I'm allowing God to flow through me because God is love. And that might not be all that spectacular, but it's very supernatural. Just the same. Amen? Amen. Walking in love might not be spectacular, but it's very supernatural. It's God working. It's God at work. Amen? Amen. Well, family, Pastor and I really do love you, and we know that you love each other, and we know that you love us. So please don't misunderstand the purpose for that little message. But I know that the Lord is pleased with us, I know it. And I know that he, he would love us to walk in a higher level of love. People want to come into this building and feel the love of God here. They want to. They need it. People are desperate. Out there in this world right now, they're suffering so much. Suffering so much. Um, <clears throat> I told you what happened to me on Wednesday night. Uh, some of you might not have heard this, but on Wednesday night, I was asked by Dr. John Torrance, Foster Bevan, I flew to Durban, and he dedicated his new building there, and he asked me to be the speaker for that evening. And um, I did the altar call at the end of my message, and a lot of folks came forward. Um, to accept the Lord and <clears throat> so I was walking up and down in front of them and I looked in some of their eyes and they looked like people who are desperate without hope desperate without hope in this world pleading the eyes were talking to me pleading for for help for for, for hope for and um, so I, I, I just, it just crushed me. So I put my arms around some of these people and just hugged them and assured them that the Lord's going to take care of them now because they've given their life to Jesus. And then that night I went to sleep and I had a dream because this was so on my heart when I just looked into their eyes. saw the hopelessness. And... Um, I had a dream. I was in a bus with Pastor Bev and somebody from the church in Jasper, San Antonio. And we're in this strange city, and it was like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, no one on the streets for miles. And the bus driver was on a mission. I mean, he's just going, stop, turn, next corner, stop, turn, next corner, stop, turn. He was just driving like this bat escaping from hell, you know. And... Um, so then I noticed that Pastor Bev and this other person got out the bus several minutes ago, maybe five minutes ago, and I didn't realize it. And they must have thought, I'm going to get out, but I didn't see them get out. And so I carried on. Then I thought, well, I'll phone her, find out where she's at. And uh, then I realized she's got my cell phone. And she had my bag. And... Uh, 
But then I thought, well, how will I find her? Which street does she get off? I don't even know which road the bus took to where it is. So, I mean, I could walk back one block, then do I take left, right, go straight? I don't know. So I realized I'm lost. I began to weep in the dream, and I woke up, and I said, Lord, what's that about? And um, the Lord said to me, Christians are lost because they don't know my word. It's not like they're not going to heaven. They're going to heaven, but they're lost, confused, because they don't know what to do in this world. They don't have a... They don't know what to do. They don't have direction in this world because they don't know the word of God. The Lord said to him, teach the word. God said, my people, Hosea 4.6, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And a lack of knowledge or an unrenewed mind is the biggest problem among believers today because Christians are ignorant of what the Bible says. The devil is harassing them, destroying them, and wrecking their lives. So the Lord said to me there, teach my word. So I'm saying to you, we've got to teach the word of God. Not theories, not man's traditions, not what we think, what the Bible says. Amen? Teach the word of God. The Lord said to me, just over two years ago, teach my people faith through this time of um, COVID. Teach my people faith. Because if they have faith, <clears throat> they won't hide away in their houses. They'll be trusting me and able to come out and live life and go to church and not live in fear. So I, I, did, I sent out faith for today, every day for about... 20 months. I don't know. How many of you used to get my faith for today? Now, when I get back to San Antonio, I will continue. I decided to continue until I got 365 of these, and I put them in a book, one for each day of the year. So I've got another 80 to do. But um, so teach my people faith, and I did that, and I've been trying to teach messages that build faith when I talk on um, Sundays. Well, from San Antonio. Because when people have faith, they can live, they can trust God, they'll be happy. They won't be living in fear all the time of what the devil is trying to do. So um, there again, let's teach faith and walk in love. Can we do that? Yes. Amen. I know you can. I know you can. I'm so proud of you. Pastor Bevan, I am so proud of you. Wouldn't stop you for the, any church in the entire world. I think it's Bill Johnson that walked through this building with Bill Wilson. Walked through this building with Dr. Johnny. You can tell me if I got the right person, Dr. Johnny. He walked through it when they, they rented it from us. Bill Johnson. Okay. Rented this property from us for a convention they wanted to do. And he looked through it all and he said, I've been through hundreds of churches in America and around the world. He says, nothing compared to this. This is the nicest building anywhere there's ever seen. Was it Bill Johnson that said that to you? Yeah. So um, God has been very good to us, has he not? And how many of you saw that video? Of that lady last uh, yes, Sunday morning I showed. Wave your hands if you saw it. So Fatima was her name, right? Now you think about this. At some years ago she saw me on Facebook or YouTube, was it? YouTube. And eventually found out by accident that we were here, right? And um, so God brought her here clearly and she had no idea that she was here but this the fact that she saw me on YouTube and then um, wanted to come to the church and then found out finally somebody invited her to come here and she saw our picture and she realized this is it you know 
God brought her here. Why? Because he knew here she'd be set free from those demons. And here she'd be loved and she'd be trained and pastored. This is where she'd be loved, trained and pastored. So he brought her to us to care for. I mean, there's many churches around. We brought her here. Because he knew she'd be loved here. And that's what I'm talking about. Loving people, God sees it. That we love people. And you'll bring people here. Because we're loving each other and we're loving people. You see that? So that's what I'm saying to you. We're on a winning formula here. Let's just endeavor to even improve more in this area. Is that okay? So we want to congratulate you and thank you again. All right, now, so you are leaders in this church. And we can't express to you the importance of leading in these times. If ever the world needs leaders, it's today. And I'm not just talking about any leader, leading them wherever they want to go, but I'm talking about leading them to God and keeping them strong. That's what they need. They need leaders who are men and women of God leading people through the storms of life. And one of your main tasks, there's plenty that you are responsible for as a leader. One of your main tasks is to keep your sheep in the sheepfold. What I mean by that is to bring them to church on weekends. The shepherd wants to take the sheep to the sheepfold at night for their protection. And so you bring them here to church for their protection, to study the word of God, to grow into God and so on. And come worship God. Teach them to worship God. And the parents need to set the example to their children. They need to come to church not only for themselves, but for their children, to train their children that the attending church is important. So when they grow up, they will do it as well. Because otherwise, there's so much out there that attracts kids away from God. They get brainwashed at school, at university, by their peers, by the movies, the television, the video games, and what all the stuff that they do. There's just so many satanic attractions taking children away from God today. That's why we need leaders like you to train the parents, bring your children to school, to church. Bring them to John's church. I've had through the years so many parents come to me crying about their kids backsliding, running the wrong crowd, taking drugs and doing all the bad stuff. But they would not get in their car on youth night youth night and drive them to youth because they were too busy they would not drive them to youth because they were too busy and now they're trying to fix a problem that shouldn't be there the kids are running their own crowd drinking drugs and all that stuff when if they had just done what the Bible said train a child when he's growing and when he's young you'll not depart therefrom. So, you have a lot of very important responsibilities before the Lord. And we need leaders like you today. This world needs you today. And for those of you that have done Bible school or you are on Bible school. Pastor Bev and I want to commend you and tell you how proud we are of you furthering your knowledge for the kingdom of Christ. So you can sharpen your skills and um, 
be more effective in the kingdom for the Lord. Even if you're not called to full-time ministry, still, you're studying the Bible so that you can be more effective as a, as a leader. And so, um, <clears throat> I know that there are some of you who are leaders. Maybe you can't afford to go to Bible school. I don't know. But you haven't. You haven't done it. And I don't think that those that have paid the full fare and have gone to school will mind if I. I know that school has started two, three weeks ago. But I think I can do this since it's... I'm in charge of the Bible school, right? I'm, I'm the president of the Bible school. So I'm going to say, Dr. Andre, I'm going to give a thousand rand discount to any leader who wants to do Bible school and start now. A thousand rand discount. Whether it's first year or second year or third year, you'll get a thousand rand discount. And, um, and I don't think we're going to get any complaints from those who paid the full. The, because you're all mature, right? And you're walking in love, right? <laughs> and everybody said, Amen. So right outside these doors, in the mall, you'll find some students, I believe, right? And the dean and staff ready there to serve you and help you and sign up or talk to you, answer questions you might have to help you with this process. And that's all from me. And I don't know if Pastor Bev wants to say anything. Come on then, love, come on. I've never known her not to take the opportunity of speaking when she has one. Hey. But she always does such a good job of it, so. Thank you. There you go, love. Thank you so much. I want to reiterate what Apostle Theo says, how much we appreciate you and love you, and, how much, how, and we pray for you every day uh, for God's protection over your lives. We pray for your health. We pray for your families, your children. We pray that God will continue to lead and guide you and that you will fulfill his destiny that he has planned for you from the beginning of time. I would like to say that um, walking in love has been a very real journey for Apostle Theo. It's not something he just cooked up uh, last year that he'll start walking in love. He really, it's in his heart and he um, corrects me. You know, uh, uh, Andre, Dr. Andre says, you know, Pastor Bev, I like it when Pastor Theo comes because then he corrects me, gets me on my eating plan, and then I lose weight. And so I said, yeah, it's good for you to have him now and again, but imagine living with him. So last, so last year we went to, um, I'll just take this out. Last year we went to Orlando on vacation. And we, uh, it was very late at night, about nine o'clock, half past nine, and we wanted to go to a restaurant and have a quick bite. And so we found an inexpensive restaurant. There was a long queue outside, but we thought, we'll just go in and, and wait our turn. And we went in, and the receptionist said, you know what, if you want to have a quick meal, go and sit at the bar. So we went and sat at the bar. There was a table there. We went and sat down. And as we sat down, a woman came and she was very irate. She was, you could see she was irritated. She uh, was in a bad mood and she was swearing and cursing and going on like a banshee uh, because we sat at her table. And um, so... Then the, she said to the waiter, we've been waiting here. These people just come in and flook, flook, flook and swear, swear, swear and blink, blink, blump, blump. And she started going off. And so then she came past me and I said, lady, you're not going to die tonight. You're still going to eat. So why don't you just calm down? 
So then I went and sat down. So my husband gets up. He goes to those four ladies. And he starts apologizing for the way his wife spoke. I was in the right. She was wrong. But Apostle Theo wanted me to speak in love and not harshly. So after that, he then told the waiter, I'll pay for their meal. He paid for those four women. And then he said to me at the end of my meal, come Bev, let's go witness. I said, you know what? I opened the door for you to witness. (laughs) You go ahead. (laughs) I'll wait for you in the car and I'll pray. (laughs) Which I did. So he went to the table to witness. And the one lady who was acting so badly said, you know, when he told him I'm a pastor, she repented. She said, I'm a born again Christian. My behavior was unacceptable. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be swearing and I shouldn't be cursing and going on. Please forgive me. And then the other lady said, well, um, God doesn't care for me because during COVID, my fiance shot himself in the head right in front of me. And so Apostle Thea was able to witness to her, um, and, and he led them all to the Lord. So what I'm saying is, talking to people is very important. And even as to the least of them, we need to up our game in loving people and, and being uh, caring for people. And so I get it all the time, but thank God I'm a quick learner. And um, I'm doing my best to to walk in love. And then I want to talk to all those who are married and say that as leaders, it's so important in the world that we live in that you look after one another, that you love each other, that you make time for each other, and that you uh, build a strong, stable marriage. In a world that we live today, so many people are looking to a couple that they can have confidence in that they're going to be strong and stable in their marriage. Always remember the 80 20 principle. 80-20 means there's always 80% that's good and 20% that's not so good. But we don't focus on the 20% that irritates us. We look at the 80% that is good. And that's in life. It's whether you go on a trip. That's whether you work at a at an office. It's never 100%, um, 100% all the time. It's always going to be the 80-20 principle. But when you concentrate on the 80% of all the good that's in your marriage and in your husband and in your wife and you look for the good, then you will have a strong, happy and secure marriage. You know, Apostle Theo and I, for the first 15 years of our marriage, when we had just started the church, we were persecuted by a very, very um, well-known a pastor, he lied about us and, and spoke badly about us and ostracized us. And, and, uh, my husband helped me to, uh, help me to live a life of forgiveness that I could forgive this uh, person constantly. And, um, and then when we went down to Durban, one of this gentleman's very close friends was there. And he came up to Apostle Theo at the uh, breakfast table and he said, Apostle Theo, I don't need to say this to you to try and curry favor or to compliment you. But I would like to say that uh, I've watched your life over these all these years. You've stayed true to who you are. You've stayed true to the call. And I want to thank you for the way you minister and thank you for who you are. And he complimented us on our marriage. And so it's very important because people are watching us and they're seeing how we behave to each other and how we lead. And so being leaders, we need to make sure that, that the people around us, they have confidence in us. If we're single, they still need to have confidence in us that we are stable. And also, don't worry about getting married if you're single because I'd rather stay single and stable and happy than marry the wrong person person and have drama for the rest of my life. So um, avoid all drama unless the Lord brings you the right uh, partner. 
And so remember the attacks that come against all of us is the devil trying to derail our destiny. And so when we understand the bigger picture, we will see how important it is to walk in love, love one another, and lead by example, and love the sheep, especially those who are young in in the faith, and they're just still learning and growing. Well, on that note, I just want to say how much, again, we love you. And last time we saw you, we didn't have a new baby, but we've got now a new baby grand girl, baby and uh, grandchild, and her name is Faith, remember? Candace, 20, remember uh, when she was here last time when she was preaching how she was going to have a girl, do you remember that? And then she had Elliot, so she had to go through all the, the emotions of um, having a boy, but, and she, uh, she held fast her confession of faith without wavering, and now she has baby faith, and it was a, ba- a faith journey, and so faith is... Uh, Two months old, and she's adorable, adorable. But there's, that's just our, and then if Natalie and Lance, they were living in Lafayette, Louisiana, and now, um, uh, they are moving to, um, Adelaide in Texas. So they're going to now be three hours away from us instead of six hours away from us. Sorry? Abilene. What did I say? Oh, that's Australia. <laughs> no, they're staying in Texas. So um, our children are well and happy. All our grandchildren are well and happy. And so we just want to say um, we love you and thank you. And now it's over to... Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.